following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. A little bit here. Psalm 67. Let's begin in verse 5. Psalm 67 and a looking at verse 5. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase, and God, even our God, our own God, uh, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all of the ends of the earth shall fear him. My main text is found in four words of verse 6, where it says here, God, even our own God. God, even our own God. And that's what I'd like to preach on this morning. God, even our own God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you for the truth of thy word. Father, thank you that you have preserved your word for us in our King James Bibles. And Father, we don't worship the Bible. We worship the God that tells us that we know about from, our, from your word. Lord, help us to worship thee this morning. Father, help us to, to learn some of the great truths that are to be found in just these four words. Lord, help us. Uh, Father, to appreciate, to see what we have in God, even our own God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, God, even our own God. Now, here in our text, we find in these words uh, some great and precious truths, and uh, uh, truths that can bless us, not only bless us, but uh, bless all. And so I want to consider uh, these four words and something about uh, these words. This morning, I want to begin with Uh, The fact that in these words, uh, to some in the world at large, the God of the Bible is just one of many gods. As we look at the word in verse 6, God, to many in this world at large, uh, uh, the God of the Bible is just one of many gods. Look with me to Genesis chapter 35. Genesis 35, even in the Bible, even among those who knew about the Lord, we find them worshiping other gods. In Genesis 35, and looking at verse 1, And God said unto Jacob, Arise and go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou uh, fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household, and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments. Let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distress, which was with me in the way uh, which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all the earrings uh, which were in uh, their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. Now, who would have imagined Jacob, who knew God, he was a descendant of Abraham, if you will, and Isaac, and, and he's he, in his household among maybe his servants and maybe even among uh, his, one of his wives, as he had two. You know, two wives is always trouble, amen. Uh, more than one, you know. Why don't we read about a woman having a harem of men? We don't read about that like that, but we find a man who has more than one wife. But nonetheless, uh, uh, in his household were those who had strange gods or many gods. And, and those gods, again, were not true gods, not real gods. There were uh, sometimes little idols that they had carved out of wood or made out of stone or whatever. But they were false gods, and then sometimes it was a, a worship of many gods. If you will look with me at Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. And look at verse 1. As the Lord is giving, establishing 
the nation of Israel after he's brought them out of the land of Egypt, he establishes them with his law. And God spake in verse 1 all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the waters under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Now, why is he saying this? Because Israel has been brought out of the land of Egypt, and in Egypt they worship many gods. They were a polytheistic culture, and some of this had rubbed off on uh, these people as they were in bondage for 450 years. And God brought them out, and what he wanted to do was clean up the, uh, up the idolatry, clean up the uh, uh, profession of using many gods and worshiping many gods. He wanted to be their only God because he is the only God, amen. He was going to show this world that there is a God uh, by establishing himself as their only God. And he gave a commandment concerning that. You know, God is jealous. You know, let me say this, Christian. You know, when, uh, when we uh, go out and worship something else, so, you know, sometimes idolatry doesn't take the form of a statue or a picture or something. Sometimes we make gods out of things that we like to do, out of things sometimes that we want to do. Sometimes we make gods out of ourselves. It, we're not careful. God wants to be the only God in our life. He is a jealous God. The Bible says in one place, his name is jealous. Do you know what? I would be fit to be tied if somebody came on to my wife and tried to steal her from me. I'm going to tell you something. You know, I'd probably get into a fight with them. And I hope he's not a big guy. Amen. <laughs> but I'd get into a fight. Amen. Because she's my wife. I'm jealous over her. Amen. Which it ought to be. And vice versa. I tell you what, there's some women that would be like, oh, don't you touch my man kind of a thing. You know, they, they, the jealousy rises up. Why should God be any different? Amen. He loves us, the Bible says, with an everlasting love. Look with me to Acts 17. Acts 17. The Apostle Paul dealt with uh, the fact of, of idolatry and the worship of many gods in his day as he was ministering. In Acts 17, let's begin in verse 16, the Bible says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. I mean, the whole city is, you know, and remember this, Athens is the, the, the capital of the Greek nation, the Greek empire. And, you know, the Greeks were polytheistic. They worshipped many gods. And here in the seat of the capital of Greece, we find uh, Paul running into this, the, a city completely overrun with idolatry. And he was stirred. You know, folks, here he saw people who needed Christ, needed to be saved, needed to be rescued, if you will, uh, from their idolatry. He says in verse 17, Therefore disputed he in the synagogues with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the markets daily with them that met with him. Then certain the philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him. And some said, What will this babbler say? Others some, He seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him unto Areopagus, saying, May we know what uh, this new doctrine Whereof thou speakest is, 
for thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what things these mean. <clears throat> for all the Athenians and strangers, which were there, spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear of some new thing. They were great gossipers, actually, or whatever. But it says here, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I enter. And he goes on to preach Christ and the gospel of Christ to them from... You know, they had monuments to every kind of God that they knew about. And just in case they'd miss somebody, here's an altar to the unknown God. And Paul said, here's my opportunity. I'm going to preach Christ, the one true and living God, the risen Savior, to them from that, that uh, place. And so he did. But folks, you know, uh, in the world at large, uh, the God of the Bible is just one of many gods to many people. As a matter of fact, even in our world today, Hinduism... Uh, speaks of God in this fashion. God is one, but also many. The Hindu religion is both monotheistic, the worship of one God, and henoistic, he it's a strange word, belief in uh, and worship of one God without denying the existence of others. They, they were never polytheistic, and yet they did not deny what they believed uh, were uh, gods of other religions. There is also Shintoism, which is... Uh, uh, an Asian religion found among the Japanese, uh, and, and their worship was the sun goddess, is the only deity actually recognized in their Shintoism, in their, it, it, <clears throat> and it uh, led them to spiritualize the human mind. Uh, for the masses, the average Shintoist, however, Shintoism has about 800,000 gods. Now, who can name all those gods? Amen. Can you imagine? Okay, we're going to have a recitation today. And it's going to take us a week or two to get through it now. <laughs> wow. 800,000 gods. Mostly the, the defied heroes of the Japanese. They, what we're talking about is ancestor worship. They worship their dead ancestors. Amen. And, uh, but this is, again, uh, some of those that um, were involved in the worship of many gods. As a matter of fact, they... They believe that the emperor of Japan was a descendant from the sun goddess and so divine and should be worshipped as a god. As a matter of fact, after World War II, as a matter of fact, that's part of what drove them into the war. He, they believed, the emperor believed it was time for them to go to war and they went to war and after they were conquered, then uh, they, 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 uh, part of, I think part of the agreement was that the Japanese were to put away the Shintoist uh, uh, issue of, of divine uh, of the emperor being divine and it did so look at me to Isaiah 44 Isaiah 44 you know there are people even in our world today that believe when we talk about God as if uh, there are many gods though there's really only one God they still believe in many gods or polytheism in Isaiah 44 and look at verse 8 here the Bible says fear ye not neither be afraid have not I told thee from that time and have declared it, you are, uh, even my witnesses, is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. God says plainly that there's no other God but me. You say, well, that's just what the Bible says. Well, you know what, folks? Show me that there is more than one God. There's no evidence of any other God but one. And the Bible declares him, God declares himself to be God. In Isaiah 45 and verse 20, 
Isaiah 45 and verse 20. And let me say this, when I name names and I speak of false religions, it's for this reason. First, to teach you something about false religion. We do not hate the people that are involved with false religion. We want them to be saved and to come under the knowledge of the truth. And sometimes we have to expose error before they can see truth. And they often do it even uh, either because they're deceived, they're deceived, they don't know any better, or simply because they want to, pure and simple, even in the face of truth. In Isaiah 45 and 20, Isaiah 45 and 20, Assemble yourselves, and come draw near together, ye that are escaped of the nations. They have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image. And pray unto a God that cannot save. Again, here's a God that, that's not real. You know, can you imagine uh, one day saying, well, I, I want to worship my God. So you go out and get an axe and a, and a hammer and a chisel and say, I'm going to make myself a God. Well, that's, that's cool. Really? I mean, why would you worship something you made with your own hands? And it's amazing yet how many people have done so. Even some that the Lord is talking about. It says, tell ye. And you know, Israel got caught up in some of this. Tell ye, and bring them near, uh, yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? There is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. Repeatedly the Lord identifies to us as there is only one God, and yet... When the Bible says God, even our God, many in the face of the fact that there's only one true and living God worship many, many gods. If you will, secondly, as we think of these words, God, even our God, <clears throat> this brings to, to mind again to some in the world at large, the God of the Bible does not exist or can or cannot be proven to exist. You say, preacher, that's kind of silly. Well, yeah, it is kind of silly, but you know, people are silly. If you will, what we're speaking of is atheism and agnosticism, humanism. Atheism is defined in this way. Atheists are certain that one, about one thing. They believe that God does not exist. They do not believe that there is any evidence for the existence of a God or gods. There was one famous atheist that said, I don't believe in God. I'm going to spend my life fighting him. Okay. <clears throat> she was a kind of a nutcase. I won't mention her name because I can't remember it, by the way. <laughs> That's what happens when you get old. You know, gray hair stands for something, amen. Then there's agnosticism. Agnosticism is a belief that we can neither prove nor disprove the existence of God. Agnosticism is a term invented by Thomas Henry Huxley in 1869 to denote the philosophical and religious attitude of those who claim that metaphysical ideas can be neither proved nor disproved. Huxley wrote, I neither affirm nor deny the immortality of man. I see no reason for believing it, but on the other hand, I have no means for, of disproving it. I have no prior objection to the doctrine. So, I mean, it's like he doesn't know one way or the other. He doesn't know where he's coming or going. In all reality, that's what an agnostic is. Charles Darwin was an agnostic. He wrote in, in uh, his uh, book, Life and Letters, about his personal faith, the mystery of the beginning of all things is insoluble by us, and I, for one, must be content to remain an agnostic. 
Meaning he, can't, he doesn't know if there's a God or not a God. He can't prove it or disprove it. He wants to, and he says, I, I don't know what else to do, but stay an agnostic. Now, this, is, this was sad when I learned this. You know, we, we, our heritage is, as Americans is a heritage of foundation based upon God-fearing people, but not all of them were. John Adams wrote this, The divinity of Jesus is made a convenient cover for absurdity. He was one of our presidents. He also said this would be the best of all possible worlds if there were no religion in it. Wow, that was a blow to hear that. But you know it is that people, though that the Bible teaches there is a God, yet they choose to either not to believe that he doesn't exist or cannot be proven to exist or not. As a matter of fact, Voltaire, who was a, a writer and playwright, said this, a French writer, Christianity is the most ridiculous, the most absurd and bloody religion that has ever infected the world. And yet Voltaire is highly respected, even in our world today. Quoted, Napoleon Bonaparte, that, that wonderful little guy, the French guy, you know, the general, said this, uh, a French emperor, religion is just mind control. If he only knew what it was to be a pastor. <laughs> Show me the mind control. <laughs> what about Andrew Carnegie? Very, uh, very philanthropic uh, guy gave to uh, establish all kinds of libraries across the country, maybe even in the world. He was a Scottish-born American industrialist and philanthropist. It may be, he said this, it may be that our role on this planet is not to worship God, but to create him. <laughs> Whatever. But that's what he believed. And, we, you know, we, and you know, what a blessing, go into a library and, and have access to a lot of knowledge. Not all of it's good. And here's a man who promoted something that on the whole in some cases was good. What about humanism? Humanism has been called the major modern uh, philosophical enemy of Christianity. Humanists who are uh, most often atheists or agnostics have created an ethical system not based on Christian, on Christian or any religious principles, but based upon human reason and logic, which sometimes isn't reasonable or logical. In humanism, humanity is the measure of all things. Humanists usually emphasize the importance of doing good in society, and yet sometimes they don't do a thing for society. Its scope in, in, encompasses... Um, Scientism, secularism, naturalism, materialism, Satanism, feminism, hedonism. That's often the basis for a lot of the, you say, feminism. Is fem feminism wrong? Well, it's humanistic. Makes man the center of things, makes a woman the center of things. Now, I tell you something. We can't get along in this world without women. Amen. We can't. But we all have our roles. In some senses, we all have our places. And, you know, women are just as important as men. But, folks, you know what? They're not more important. And, we, and women should, you know, it's amazing that women who are feminists hate women. You ever pay attention to that? Women who are feminists hate women. That's a fact. Pay attention to what they say. As a matter of fact, if a woman chooses to be a stay-at-home mom... She is treated as if she's some kind of a criminal. You know, I'll tell you something. The worst thing in the world that ever happened to America is when mom left home and went to the workplace. 
because she left behind the responsibility of motherhood to someone who can't do it, and that's dad. You know, I'm no, listen, I am no replacement for my wife. And I thank God that she stayed. She was a stay-at-home mom. She worked for two years, a few years back. It was two years too long. We finally got out and said, you know, they were, the woman she worked with was abusing her. I said, well, let's be done with this. Now, not everybody can do that. And I'm not saying that every woman can because, unfortunately, women are divorced by husbands, treated badly by husbands, and they have to go out and work and take care of themselves. I'm not saying that there aren't times when women have to. But I'll tell you something. When there's a choice, mom needs to be allowed to be mom, not a feminist. Amen? Not a feminist. So how did you get off on that? I don't know. Let's, let's go on. When we talk about humanism, we talk about what, when they, when they, humanists think about absolutes in this way. Are, are morals absolute? Are there any absolute truths? If there is no God, there is no reason to believe in any unchanging standards of morality. All standards are relative. And I'm going to tell you something. God established unchangeable morality in his word. God is not a relative God. God isn't one to change. You know, uh, they want, in America today, they want the, the Constitution to be a living document changeable with every wind of circumstance. The men that established the Constitution of the United States of America set in place firm laws of morality and behavior that have established our nation and kept our nation free to this point although we're losing it. Amen. We ought to be praying for America. What about Confucianism? We're going to learn about all kinds of neat things today. Confucianism. Now, it's not talking about the fact that you're confused. This is different. Confucianism is a religion. Say, well, preacher, I'm already confused. You've got me all messed up. See me afterward. We'll, we'll try to fix that. Amen. Confucianism is the concept of God. Their concept of God is vague. In the Analects, there is reference to heaven as a supreme deity. But in the, oh, I love names. <laughs> Menesius, heaven, it becomes a moral force. And Sun Tzu is, it's, it's the universe. Meaning they don't believe in God. Amen. <laughs> and I'm confused. Amen. What about Taoism? Again, we're talking about uh, uh, um, Asian religions. Taoism is a classical philosophy, has no concept of a personal deity, a conscious God, or a God who is responsible for the creation of the universe. Part of Taoism is the first tenet, Tao. Tao is the first cause of the universe. It is a... Now watch... when When I read this, I was blown away, but... Tao, ta, Tao is the first cause of the universe. It is a force that flows through all life. Now remember, this is something that somebody believes. It isn't true. But uh, the total of all things which are, which are in, of all things which uh, can change. It is marked, therefore, by creative spontaneity. The Tao surrounds everyone, and therefore everyone must listen to find enlightenment Each believer's goal is to become one with Tao and so live spontaneously and and, uh, and in freedom from, if you will, social and political pressures 
or from fear of death. It sounds a little bit like Star Wars and the Force. Say, preacher, really? Yeah. You know, I read that and I thought, you've got to be kidding me. The Force, maybe the Force be with you. Stupid. Excuse me. Stupid. You know, I, I remember hearing a, a number of years ago somebody trying to make uh, Star Wars and the Force Christian. They were trying to somehow legitimize the idea of the Force and, and Christianity. And when I heard it, I thought to myself, you've got to be kidding me. Anything, anything to make, uh, let's see, who's the, the chief guy in the Star Wars, though? Somebody help me, people. You know what I'm talking about. Not Yoda, not that little guy. Talk, uh, yeah, well, what's that? George, no, not that guy. One of the actors, amen. Wow. We have certainly got far afield. Luke Skywalker, there we go, the hero. Luke Skywalker. Who's that other guy that drives the ship? The Han Solo. Now, Han Solo was a skeptic about the Force. Luke said, I'm going to learn the Force from. Who's that other guy? The old guy? Obi Wan Kenobi. What are we doing, preacher? We're, we're trying, to, yeah, well, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. The point is you can't mix Christianity with some of the nonsense and some of the false religion and ideas that people have about God. There is also a part of the Taoism that I wanted to consider, and that is the qi. It's the life force, the essence, the wind, the movement of energy. It is the force that arises from the earth, that touch and nourish the earth as well as tear it apart as earthquakes. Each person must nurture the chi, air, breath, virtue, that has been given to him or her. Development of virtue is one chief task of chi. Now let me say this. This philosophy is embraced by the New Age movement and is a part of the holistic approach to medicine and health. It has a philosophy. And the New Age movement is trying to take Middle East, or Eastern mysticism and Eastern religions and bring the two together and make them palatable. And it's a lie, folks. It's trying to mix truth and error. Say, people really believe that? They do. And then they want to call, when you try to mix the two together, they still want to call it Christianity. New Christianity. Wrong. It is not new Christianity. What about Buddhism? We're talking about the guy with the, anyway. Little, well, anyway, we won't go there. Buddhism, belief in God. Buddhism does not teach the concept of a personal creator or God. Buddha did not deny God's existence, but he, and he did teach that the universe is governed by supreme power. Buddha said that the supreme power did not have a name or form, he said that there was no need to believe in God. Now, let me stop here. Some of the supreme power that cannot be named or can be named by yourself goes back to uh, AA and, if you will, going through the 12-step program and and looking for a higher power. Folks, that's not Christianity. And you're not going to find Christ at AA. You're not. You're not. It's akin to Buddhist philosophy. Look with me to Genesis 1. Genesis 1 and verse 1. 
say, preacher, you're attacking all kinds of things. You know what? I know that the people involved in AA are trying to help people. I believe that. But they're not going to help them spiritually. And folks, we need to be able to, you know what we, what we look to for spiritual guidance needs to be scriptural. In Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning, God created. There's nothing else. There's God. Before there was anything else, there was God. Psalm 19. Psalm 19. And of verse 1. Psalm 19. And of verse 1. Bible says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day and date uh, uttereth speech, and night and night showeth knowledge. There is no speech, nor language, where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words unto the end of the world. And them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. Now, you know what, folks? If people wonder if there is a God, God said, Listen, I've left behind something that will point to the fact that I'm here. I'm alive and well. It's called the very creation of God. You know, how many, you know, we don't know how many people have looked up into the stars in time past and said to themselves, you know what? This couldn't have happened by accident. There must be a God. And when looking for him simply because of the creation of God. Amen. Don't tell me this happened by a big bang or an accident. Okay, that, what happens, that happens when you get in a car wreck when you're a teenager and you blow the tire. <laughs> One of my kids blew the tires on the car and that was a big bang. What a mess. And it wasn't Joel. He didn't do that. That only leaves two others. Who was it? I'm not telling. Amen. <laughs> There's no such thing as a big bang. There is such thing as in the beginning God created. Amen. Look with me to John 1. And verse 1, John 1, and verse 1. I got Joel off the hook. He's going, man, I was sweating it. We don't talk about what happened tonight, kids. They were the, the ditch champions. Almost every one of those boys hit the ditch. John chapter 1. And you know what? How do you compete with that? In the beginning was the Word, John 1 and 1. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things that were made, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Folks, Jesus Christ is the Word. He is God. He is the Creator. Matthew 19. Matthew 19. People are looking for evidence. Look at the very creation of God. And Matthew 19, matter of fact, David wrote in Psalm 139 and verse 14, Behold, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, that my soul knoweth right well. In Matthew 19 and 3, the Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning? Who made us at the beginning? God, male, he made them male and female. There's no in-between, there's no trans- transgender issues, folks. Male and female. Created male or female. Celebrate and accept the will of God that if you're a boy and a man, you're made a man by God. If you're a woman, you were made a woman by God. Accept it. 
for what it is. Learn to live with it, even if you don't like it. Amen. But he said, and for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and uh, they twain shall be one flesh. Where, uh, wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. You know what, folks? There is no same-sex marriage that is endorsed by God, male or female. Amen. God made him at the beginning, male and female. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother, cleave unto his wife, who is a woman, and they too can, you know what, they, can, they too alone can be one flesh. Amen. But it's dealing with those who don't want to believe in God. And then thirdly, to some in the world at large, the God of the Bible does not exist, uh, does exist, but he is not their God. In Psalm 67 and verse 6, and God. We're still talking about what people think about God, and people believe these things. <clears throat> what about Islam? Allah is the Arabic name for God. The one and only God. Muslims believe in one God, supreme and eternal, infinite, mighty, merciful, and compassionate, creator and provider. God is neither father nor mother, nor sons nor wife, uh, nor was he uh, fathered. There is no special, there is none equal to him. He is God of all humankind, not of a special tribe or race. That sounds okay. Uh, prophets, Muslims believe in a chain of prophets starting with Adam, including Noah, Abraham, Ishmael, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Job, Moses, Aaron, David, Solomon, Eli Elias, Jonah, John the Baptist, Jesus. They don't believe he's God. Remember that. Jesus to them is a prophet. He is not God in the flesh. To, for, to them, that would be considered uh, uh, polytheistic. They don't believe in the Trinity. They believe in just Jehovah as God. They reject him as Lord and Savior. They reject Christianity. Be sure of this. The Islams, the, the Muslims, do not accept Christianity. And that, that's part of the reason they want to destroy America because they view us as part of the seat of Christianity in the world, the great Satan, if you will. What about Sikhism? That's another uh, of the Middle Eastern religions. They believe in a creator God. <clears throat> Sikhs believe that there is only one God. He is the creator and sustainer of all life. Seeking God. Sikhs believe that God is, is uh, inside of every person. Now, you think about what I'm saying here. And you think about some of our modern religions today. Sikhism's been around for a while. Sikhs believe that it, God is inside of every person, no matter how wicked that person may appear to be, so everyone is capable of change. Now, I'm going to tell you something, folks. That's not found in the Bible. Christ dwells in our hearts by faith, not by virtue of being born. The Bible, Jesus said, "Ear of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. Hence, we need to be, you must be born again spiritually, for God to dwell in your hearts. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> the Catholic Church borrowed that doctrine from someplace. You know, the problem with the Catholic Church is we don't hate Catholics. We hate their doctrine for this reason. It's error. Catholicism came about because of apostasy. People left the truth and tried to mix truth and error, paganism, together. And it led them into what they practice today, is what they, what they expressed to be modern Christianity. 
And I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of idolatry and idolatrous practices going on in that church. It came from some place, and it wasn't God. They also believe in the life cycle, and that's common with uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, and Jainism. Sikhs believe that all human beings are trapped in a cycle of birth, life, and death. It's called reincarnation. You won't find reincarnation in the Bible. You'll find regeneration and resurrection, but not reincarnation. The Bible says, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. There's no second chance, so forth. What about Mormonism? We believe in God, the Eternal Father, and His Son, Jesus Christ, and in the Holy Ghost. However, Mormons reject Christianity, the Christian Trinity. They teach that the Trinity is... Uh, that the uh, Trinity is three separate gods. There's God the Father. For the Mormons was, for, for the Mormons, uh, uh, God the Father was once a man and became a god. That's not biblical, but that's what they believe. As a matter of fact, Mormons are taught you can become a god. The Bible doesn't teach that anywhere. There's only one God. We'll always be one God. Though we're living in heaven with him one day and we'll be sinless like God, we will never be God. Amen. <clears throat> and then John 14. John, what about Jehovah's Witness? Before we get to it, let's turn to John 14 and before we read this. Again, these are people that believe in God, a God, but they don't know God. Jehovah's Witnesses, God, the Godhead Trinity, Jehovah's Witnesses teach that there is no Trinity. Orthodox Christians do not claim to understand the mystery of the Trinity. But when they study the New Testament, they come to the inescapable conclusion that it teaches that there are three eternal persons existing as one God. That's what Christianity believes. The Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe in that. As a matter of fact, the Father Jehovah's Witnesses teach that the Father is Almighty God he is not a part of a trinity. His personal name is Jehovah and should be addressed by that name. Uh, prayer, worship should be directed to the Father. He is not, now they believe this. He is not omniscient nor omnipresent. Omniscience means that he knows all. Omnipresent means he's everywhere at all times. Folks, God is that. He's omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere at, at any one time, at all times, and he, is, he knows all. No thought can be withholden from God. God knows every thought of every human being. Well, how can that be? Because he's God. Omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent. All-powerful. No, no greater power than God. Amen. Jesus, to the Jehovah's Witnesses, Jesus Christ is the only man, only one of many gods, and as a created being, they translate John 1, one as in the beginning, and let me say this, they wrote their own Bible. Because, and I remember talking to some Jehovah's Witnesses and they got so frustrated because I took my Bible and showed them God. And then at times I, I was able even to take their Bible and show them God, that Jesus was God. They didn't get it all changed. But they say in John 1 and 1, their translation is, in the beginning God was the Word and the Word was a God. And the Bible says, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay? There's a difference. John 14 and, and 6. John 14 and 6. <clears throat> now, how can someone know God if they believe a God, but they don't believe the right things about God? 
There's a difference. You can believe there is a God, but not believe the right things about God and still be wrong. In John 14 and 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. <clears throat> no man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, show us the Father? You know, folks, Jesus Christ is God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son. And so it is God the Father is God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. See, how is that? I don't know. I can't explain it, but I don't have to. We have to believe it because God said it's so. And it is. You know, remember, God's word is true. Whether you believe it or not, it's still true. And you're like, it will be answerable. Look, with, if you will, to John 12. John 12. <clears throat> and verse 48. He that reject Jesus said this, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Folks, be sure of this. What God has said, what we've even talked about today from the Scripture, one day we'll, every man will stand in judgment before God and his word. And God will say to us, when we, and people, I'm sure there are going to be people trying to argue with a holy God, even as they try to do today, even as they did in the day of Christ. And God will say, now, wait a second. Didn't my son say this? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father. But didn't he say that he that has seen me has seen the Father? See, they're going to know. And it'll come from God's word. First Timothy 3. <clears throat> and 16, 1 Timothy 3, and verse 16. The Bible says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ, but it says God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Who but Jesus Christ could that verse be talking about? Jesus Christ as God in the flesh. 1 John 5, 1 John 5. <clears throat> and if you will, look with me to verse 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. There are three that bear witness in the earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood. These three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God which he hath testified of his Son. Folks, we need to believe what God has said about himself and his Son about sin and about salvation. And lastly, to some in the world at large, the God of the Bible is even their God. Now, when you get saved by the grace of God, he goes from just being God to our God, your God. The Bible says, to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. God then is your God. Amen? He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. When we receive Christ, we receive God. 
he goes from just being God to our God. And what a blessing, folks. You know, before I was saved, I believed in God. But he wasn't my God. I sinned against God. I cursed God. I disobeyed God. But I believed he was there. It wasn't until I repented and trusted Christ that he became my God. And so it is with all sinners who are saved by the grace of God. Look at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Look at verse 46. And Mary. Now Mary is the mother of Jesus. And let me stop here for a moment before we read the passage. The Catholic Church is teaching people to pray to Mary for forgiveness and redemption. She has become the co-redeemer, the co-savior with Jesus Christ. And that is just not true. Even, Even Mary expresses this here. Her own personal testimony is this. And Mary said, my soul, and this is after she's been told she's going to give birth to, to Christ. And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Now again, I say this about Catholicism, not because we hate Catholics, but I'm going to tell you something. They've been sold a bill of goods, a lie. And many have been deceived by it. And they need help. They need the help of God in his word to be helped to know the truth. Amen. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the truth about Christ is he is the one and only Savior. And Mary, you know, before she even knew that she was going to give birth to Christ, she put her faith and trust in the Christ that was coming. She was looking for him. Amen. John 20. Look, if you will, to verse 11. But Mary stood without. This is Mary Magdalene, not Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary stood without at the sepulcher, weeping. And, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And, and see a two angels in white sitting on the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus said, Lane, folks, now angels would come and roll back the stone not to let Jesus out but to show that he was already out. The two angels are sitting there, one at his feet and one at his head, to draw attention to the fact that his body's not here anymore. It's gone. He's risen. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She said unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back, and saw Jesus standing, and knew him not, knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Who, uh, whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid, them, laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself, and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. God opened her eyes, and she saw it was Christ recognized him as Christ. 
Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father and my God and your God. Your God. God, even your God. God, even our God. Amen. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he'd spoken these things unto her. Folks, the Lord appeared to, to Mary Magdalene. Folks, she had, seven devils had been cast out of her by Christ. She was a follower of the Savior, Jesus Christ. She saw him risen from the dead, and he said to her, go and tell him about my God and your God. God is not just God when you get saved. He is even and not because we're more special, but because by the grace of God, we received him, amen, as God and Savior. Verse 26 of the same chapter. After eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Now, you know what? Thomas was a doubter, but he was convinced of one thing. The Lord was his Lord and his God. He, Jesus said, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. And, other, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. You know what, folks? Thanks be to God. We read the testimony of so many people, even the psalmist, who said, God, even our God. You know, the world... <laughs> acknowledges a God and many gods. The world acknowledges that there might be a God or there isn't a God, and yet there is a God. You know, the world believes in, in a God and yet doesn't know God. We believe in the one true and living God, and he is our God by grace through faith in him, not because we're Baptists, not because we've been baptized, not because we're good people, but because God is merciful and gracious to us. Amen. God, even our God. I want to ask you this question this morning as we close. Is God, the one true and living God, your God? Is God, the one true and living God, your God? If not, he can be. He wants to be. He loves you and he wants you. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.